Hey, this is Brendan McGee, and you're listening to Sessions. Hello and welcome to Sessions, where we invite local and touring acts in and capture their tracks live off the floor. This week's episode features the Montgomery Street Band, a Fredericton-based quartet that's brought their modern bluegrass sound to bars, festivals, and street corners all across New Brunswick. The group just shared its sophomore release, Quantum Internet, and we caught up to discuss the drive through province, breathing fresh air into traditional styles, and their upcoming tour through Ontario and Quebec. Recorded live in Studio D, here is the Montgomery Street Band with Mighty Cannabicasis. This is Sessions. That was the Montgomery Street Band who are joining me now. Uh, Liam, maybe we'll start with you and we can go around the square. Uh, everybody can introduce themselves. Cool. I'm Liam Keithshock. I play the guitar and the dobro. And my name's Callum Jackson. I play the Mexican bass, also known as Guitar On. My name is Scott Michaud, and I play the banjo. I'm Patrick Gushu. I play the mandolin as well as some fiddle. 
Awesome. Now, guys, your new album, The Quantum Internet, released January 31st. How do you fit modern themes like climate change and data bills into a style so rooted in the past? We write songs about those things, but then play it in the style of music from the past. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't have to be the real answer. I don't know. That's true, though. Yeah. Um, I think we're not the only people to do that ever, too. No, no. (laughs) But it comes naturally for you as a process? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, I guess, I don't even know, actually, lyrics are weird, aren't they? <laughs> the music makes so much sense. The lyrics kind of like, we don't want to, we wouldn't write about something we didn't care about. I guess we must care about climate change or something. We were writing about stuff we cared about, so. so we want to we write about things that are relevant to people, to all people. And uh, our music, some of it is, is pretty bluegrassy or maybe even old-timey you might say but we wanted to have lyrical content that was contemporary and relevant sure to today i guess so that's what we were aiming for now montgomery street band is in essence a quartet of songwriters is there a rule for how many of each person's songs that can exist on every album or set list how does that process work Patrick's not allowed any songs. <laughs> not after what I did. <laughs> Go on. He's learned his lesson. We don't have to move oh, we on. Can't, we can't talk about it. But, um, <laughs> no, I don't think there's any rules. Usually when we're making a set, we try and give the person that's singing kind of a break because we all get tired. Sure. So mm-hmm. Try and space it out, give some diversity for the people listening to you. We all bring... Uh, we all bring songs to the table, and then I don't think it's ever happened that someone brought something to the table and everyone else rejected it. It just doesn't seem to work that way. So, <laughs> uh, I can speak for my songs that I've brought to the table, so to speak. Um, once they're on the table, they change quite a bit once I get the rest of the guys to help me make cooler things that happen in them and stuff. So there's still a joint effort, but I think lyrically, on this album at least, when it's a different writer, it's more of a lyrical thing whoever wrote the singing is usually the person who wrote the lyrics that's true we've never actually tried to co-author lyrics before have we no we have not no that hasn't happened yet so that that might be an angle that we'll take in the future but um as of yet we We each take a verse yeah i mean there's there's no wrong way to do it either i kind of when i was was thinking about it i was was thinking about sloan and uh, their last album commonwealth uh which you know it's a similar situation four songwriters in a four-piece band and they each got like one side of an lp and then put out a double lp but it's nice that things sort of flow a little bit uh you know uh (laughs) like less stringent in this band that's a really like i don't know like like registered way of doing it i listen to sloan though they've always been doing weird stuff like that i think but i think you're right to say that and there's lots of other bands like that where it's a quartet and each person writes songs and everybody else in the quartet can make the each other's songs sound good so it's possible to perform songs from each member it's the beatles did that too not to compare us to them but <laughs> they're another big band out there that was known for that and i'm lucky to know three other people that write songs and stuff too i guess because you know if one of us just got lazy and decided not to then there wouldn't be any songs but we're all doing it so that's why i guess it's the way it is Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
drive on out 20 minutes of the highway See the trees that stood last Monday They're cut down They're cutting it down They're tearing it all down Just gotta drive out Street Band live on sessions. Now, how did you guys get together? I know we were speaking before about three of you being from Sussex, so I assume that plays into it somehow. Must. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I've known uh, Scott and Patrick since we were, well, not only have I known them since we were five, six years old, roughly, but we've also been very close friends. You know, we haven't played music for that whole span of time, but, um, and then, Callum, how long have we known you? For five? Five years now or four years? Uh, four. We know you've been <laughs> counting. Sorry, we didn't finger paint with you in kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you could do it now. It's been a few years. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that We're up, We're in a band Dylan. together. Would you guys like to finger paint with me? <laughs> <laughs> I would love to, man. Yeah. Healing. <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. We're, 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 we're best buddies, too. We're not just... Uh, a band, so uh, I don't know when we started getting into this form of music, but I said in another interview that we had recently, it's a lot of it was like just It's so convenient; you can take your instruments on the road easily, take them outside easily. You can, you don't need sound systems, you don't need amps. They're so much lighter. They're light, except for yours. The yeah. banjo is actually. Scott and Liam and I played in a rock band in high school before we ever picked up, well, pretty much ever picked up acoustic instruments for that much anyway. And uh, after 
we were in the rock band phase and went off to university and whatnot, I think we pretty much almost exclusively played in acoustic bands, probably for that reason that Liam mentioned. But it evolved into bluegrass, I think, because of all of the acoustic genres, it sort of let us go a little bit crazier than, I don't know, just trying to write like a simple folk ballad or something. Mm -hmm. We could write instrumental songs. Which is cool, too. There's a good backbeat to bluegrass, and it makes it so you don't have to have drums, and it's still danceable, I guess. Or That's what it seems like, anyway. For sure. Uh, now, the band is steeped in the folk music history of the Maritimes. Is that at all a result of growing up in homes like Stan Rogers, Gene McClellan? Yes, definitely. Stan Rogers is awesome. Nothing but good things to say about his music. Uh, Big influence for all of us, for sure. Yeah, yeah. and also not maritime well canadian folk music in general too like gordon lightfoot recently we've been on a big fan big Joni mitchell fan neil young's awesome yeah chilliwack yeah (laughs) Yeah. and and rush like i don't know i I could for myself anyway with lyrics like rush would probably be something i'd look up to they've got some cool shit you guys also make a point to talk about home uh revisiting new brunswick a couple of times on the record and i find it's a province that is more often written about indirectly in songs uh when it is and and that there aren't too many love letters or love songs devoted to it what does new brunswick mean to all you guys well we all grew up here and uh we all got our first jobs here i think and we all know what it's like to work in new brunswick and live in new brunswick and love and grow up in New Brunswick so uh, I think it's kind of natural that we write about the place we're from and uh, some of the folk music we listen to it's a lot of folk and bluegrass music is written about places so why don't we do that too yeah that's probably I know the tune we played uh, Mighty Kennebecasis when you have an instrumental song I mean um, oftentimes you'll name it after something that it mean means something to you or sometimes you'll just come up with a funny name because you need one uh but in that case i actually was sort of doing some work that involved with that river the mighty or the kennebecasis it's not actually that mighty if you ever see it it's a pretty small river <laughs> but that's the joke but yeah and and people that have listened to it have told me that or at least one friend anyway mentioned that he felt like the music and the way the music moves throughout the song kind of reminds him of being on a canoe or something and that's kind of cool how that happened for uh, the tempo picks up, yeah. and it's like the rapids. Yeah, exactly. So it it's cool because instrumental songs can actually pull some weight, and you can have songs about New Brunswick that don't even have words, but people still get the New Brunswick like message in it, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. I was also struck by the song For Your Wage, which seems to kind of describe uh, maybe uh, you know less glamorous parts of New Brunswick. Can you yeah. tell us about that song? Yeah, sure. Uh, to me, New Brunswick is a really beautiful place, and... Um, underappreciated, as you said, I think, and uh, and it it has problems. I mean, it's it's there's some sad things going on here with the forestry industry, and uh, which I've worked in, as as it says in the song. But um, you know, we're a poor, we're one of the poorer provinces, and we have problems environmentally speaking. We have issues with uh, people with unemployment and with. Uh, alcoholism and tobacco we have there are sad aspects to new brunswick but um the the reason that i live here is because i believe in it and i i like to write songs i want to write songs that uh that make people feel proud to be from here because we really do come from a a beautiful place and i really love the forest of new brunswick so that's what that song is about is is uh 
how that's all getting cut down. <laughs> as sad as that song is, I think since you made such a like uplifting, happy melody to accompany it, it kind of carries it in that way too, like a song of hope. Hopefully, anyway. I mean, for me, it is when I hear it. Montgomery Street Rag. That was the Montgomery Street Band with Montgomery Street Rag. Now, the band self-describes as being composed of avid street performers. Is busking just a hobby, or do you guys find it more practical as a way to refine material? There's a lot of money in it. There's not. Lucrative. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's not that much money in it. There's enough yeah. to make it worthwhile. If you want a sandwich or something. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what a lot of money is. I'm not joking. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's, it's a great way to practice. I find that it's a great way to strengthen your voice because uh, sometimes yeah. it, it, you can easily stand on a sidewalk play guitar for five hours at a time but if you're singing for five hours at a time every single day it's it's good vocal workout it's probably not great for my throat but <laughs> whatever and we, we've not necessarily done a ton of group busking or at least not all, all four of us all all of the time we've, we've certainly done it but all, all of us have dabbled in solo busking so I think that's probably why we mentioned it in our bio because you've likely seen at least one of us out in the streets of Fredericton in the last uh, mm-hmm. bunch of summers we're always out there sure now you guys have also played a lot of larger events like Folly Fest, Evolve, Paddle Fest, and Shivering Songs, to name a few, uh, as well as done lots of bar gigging. Now, how does street performance compare to those two other worlds? Well, there's not as much traffic noise in a bar, 
and <laughs> people are less likely to come up and try to use your guitar as a bongo while you're trying to play a song. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I'd say that's about equally as likely to happen on the, on the bar. <laughs> yeah. But actually, it kidding. depends if you do. Uh, we've done late night busking before uh, with the night crowds in the in the summer, and um, so that can be kind of similar, but I don't know. They're really, they, they are, I guess, kind of two different things. To play with a sound system is uh, something that in the last maybe year is something that we've been really trying to refine. And actually, we've been working with you, Dylan, at the Capitol there. <laughs> and uh, like, you know, a while ago, we had really no idea about, um, you know, all the different uh, angles and challenges with that. Because uh, we were mostly, like I said, we were jamming like this for, uh, in in a sense, in a way to get away from that. But now we've sort of refined that. We we have our own DI boxes and our own. We have a a method for doing bar shows that seems to be effective for us now and consistent. So that's good. I'm really happy about that. That we've come to that point. On the point of uh, busking too, I'd like to mention, we busk or at least for me anyway, that busking in Fredericton has certainly been a thing. And we haven't done a ton of out-of-town shows and things in the summer where we've been able to go busk in other places. And some, I don't even think it's legal in some places, but we're going on a tour uh, soon, and maybe we'll get to try out busking in new spots, and it might bring new experiences to us. So there's maybe more to come from busking than just you know playing on the streets of Fredericton. So. On a journey from the moon rocks to the sunset To a flatland busted by a crowd of feet Canvas huts, familiar faces Pick up on the good vibrations As the sound of sweet nonsense fills the air But is this land real to my eye? Thousands of people passing by Seeking freedom in this place Feeling they must now chase In a different world where they do not that's why we play the festival song Inside of you, the music tells you what to do It all kicks in as the band begins to play
passing by Seeking freedom in this place Feeling they must now chase In a different world They do not belong That's why we play this festival song We occupy a dreamland From the moon rocks to the sunset And a sense of time Our love and greed Those crowds will soon scatter But it surely doesn't matter For we'll meet again here On this dusty street Is this land real to my eyes? Thousands of people passing by Seeking freedom in this place A feeling they must now chase In a different world Where they do not belong That's why we play the festival That's why we're playing this festival That's why we play the festival song Festival song on Sessions. That was the Montgomery Street Band. The band is set to head to Ontario for the first time. Tell us about those upcoming shows. It'll be our first time. I don't know. It'll be exciting. First time for some of these guys. Yeah. How did that come about? Um, That's through the efforts of our, well, I would call him our our booking agent, uh, Eddie Young, who works with Roots and Soul Music Promotions. And, uh, Everyone, if you don't know who he is, you should, because he's a he's a god. In the, in the com- he holds the, the community together. We would be nothing without him. We really would. It's true. We really would. Uh, so, um, yeah, we're we're hoping to. Um, yeah, it's I think fifteen dates in two weeks. I think. Wow. 15, yeah, I think so. Fifteen shows in two weeks. The first two weeks of May. Um, Ranging from, I think the first one is in Bristol, New Brunswick, and then we, you know, go through Montreal, and then um, Ottawa, Ottawa, and Toronto area, and then um, yeah, and then kind of hang around back. the Toronto area for a while. Yeah, a lot of it is in southern uh, southern Ontario there. So that's super cool. Now, how did you guys begin a working relationship with Eddie? I like Eddie. I know Callum maybe was the first one to work with him just sort of with some solo stuff he was doing. And then I know for me, uh, I'm in another group, the the Falling Leaves, and we're still an active band. And back in the early days of that band, we were more of a, a small, just a duo type of thing with uh, the singer of that group. And that's when I first met Eddie. But honestly, it was mainly just through like, a, we got a gig at Grimross kind of thing. And then once you get to know the guy, he just starts, you know, he starts to do a lot of things for you. If you're a musician, <laughs> he gets you lots of shows and, you know, he's, that's how we've got to know him really well is just from playing one show with him and then him just yeah. deciding he wanted to help us out, really. Callum, what was that? You played uh, in his living room or something. Yeah, uh, my first interaction with Eddie Young was I had heard of this venue on the north side. I heard that it was just somebody's house. So I found an email and I emailed him and I, I didn't even have any material to send to show my sound. I just said, can I play at your venue? And he said, yep. I got a guy from Ontario coming through, and he he set me up as the opening act. And I told, I brought a friend along, and that friend ended up being the only person in the audience. It was me, Eddie, and his family, my friend, and then uh, the the man from Ontario. And it's it's just kind of built up from there eddie started booking shows at different places and 
I kept on pestering him for shows and that's super cool seems especially rare these days too that somebody would take a chance on an artist with no recorded material right yeah and and that's something that was really uh that really drew me to eddie is he didn't just do that for me he he did that for a lot of people in the fredericton area absolutely uh just anybody who couldn't you know get a show at a bar that has stricter requirements they could still play a show uh, through Eddie, which was really uh, opening, I guess. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's been really nice to see that grow, too, with the, the festival uh, and, and his partnership with Grimross, for sure. Um, now, back to that tour, uh, what has the experience been like finding other bands to play with in those cities? Is Bluegrass alive and well in Ontario? I think a lot of the shows, I think we might even just be doing on our own. I think maybe with some of them there's an opener, but I'm not too sure. I know we're playing with Old Man Grant, who we played with uh, at Grimross. Annie Sumi from the Lifers, too. We're oh, doing, great. Yeah. That's some, actually, someone else that we also met at Grimross yeah. through Eddie Young. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All roads. Uh, Eddie's just behind everything. I think uh, I think Toronto is actually... I've been to the Dakota Tavern um, in on, in Toronto, and it's actually is quite, quite a bluegrass... Uh, seen at that specific venue and then there are a number of like uh bigger bigger bands that i think are doing it professionally um in toronto um there's like the lonesome ace string band the the hogtown boys a couple uh, of them came through i forget which festival it was but they played at the wilson's room yeah was, so there is awesome yeah, Toronto is, uh, well, I mean, I guess you could argue that Toronto is a hub for everything. That's true, yeah. yeah. But there is, uh, yeah, there is uh, there is a bluegrass uh, scene there. So we'll, we hope to tap into that a, a little bit. Is there a utility with you guys all being songwriters where if you had to fill, say, a three-hour set, you just break it up into solo sets and then do a band set? Um, not, not exactly. I mean... Uh, we, I would definitely say where we're all songwriters and uh, each, you know, learn different songs that we might cover, that there's definitely an aspect of switching up the who's singing lead and stuff to, you know, lighten the load throughout a three-hour show. But certainly uh, Callum, uh, who's probably the most active as a solo act amongst the four of us, we often will get him to do uh, a middle set. Like our, our shows we play at the Capitol on Wednesdays, he'd always do uh, usually just four or five songs or something, but... Other times it's been full on sets, and that's definitely handy. <laughs> Very much so, yeah. One, two, three. When I was a young boy, I wrote myself a love song. True of heart, but slightly out of tune. Come this very day, I put my foot on it. Hung my head and gave a mournful cry. Oh my soul, oh my darling, am I okay? Heart is lonely every night, every night, and every day. Though my words are not that strong, I found a way to carry on. My poor heart can't live no other way.
just last night I had another fright And the dark clouds fill my lonely skies Oh my soul, oh my darling, am I okay? I just love me Every night, every day Though my words were not that strong I found a way to carry on And my poor heart can't live no other way Hey, hey Montgomery Street Band live on sessions. Now, Quantum Internet was recorded live off the floor. Was that at all a tip of the cap to the genre of bluegrass and the way things are often done? That was partially the reason. Another big reason is that was a lot easier. Sure. (laughs) And uh, given our short time frame for recording the album, which we should we're we're not going to do the same t- kind of time frame in the future. No. What sort of time frame was that? We we had one month. We wasted oh, the first week. Le- less <laughs> than a month. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, like three and a half weeks basically. <laughs> uh, many of those songs were actually written. Uh, well, actually, I think half of those songs were written. That's not quite true. I know that the ones I wrote were all at least a couple months old. Oh, you had written them, but we had only learned them, I guess, That's I should true. say. Yeah. They were learned... Uh, On the fly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is, actually, it can be a cool way to do it, but we would never... We're never going to do that again because it's it wasn't... You know, it's it's uh, it it's very too stressful. It's yeah. very stressful. Very and stressful. I, I kind of found after we finished recording the album and then our first show where we played all of the songs from it, we kind of had to relearn some of the songs because we had learned them to record them. And then, you know, that was, that was that. Crazy. Yeah. A little bit. I think <laughs> I, I mean, the album's always going to reflect how that, how we made it that way. And I like the, so one of the things like when you're doing live takes and we're all familiar with uh, multi-track recording from different projects but for this one we're doing it live and we have a lot of improvisation in our music so literally every take would be different and there would be times where one of us would do our part amazingly and then maybe someone else would mess up and we'd all take turns messing up takes and eventually <laughs> you would just get a take that maybe isn't even 100% perfect but everyone's happy with it enough and that was more of the takes we would get and uh, that would be not something that I would change but something I would consider just that that's like you say like traditional bluegrass songs I you hear that a lot about you know even Bill Monroe and some of the really old recordings their instruments might not have been perfectly in tune and it might have been a case that they did a couple takes and the good take they were a little out of tune and I guess that's sort of how the album is but I don't know I'm I'm more sensitive to that because I it's you know it's my 
uh, instrument or something, I might notice it. But I know a lot of people don't always notice mistakes, or maybe they do. Maybe they should. But <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's the way it is. That's just how it is, and I'm yeah. okay with that. Right. It's about getting getting the feel. I I knew it was going to be like that, so I'm not uh, at all upset about that well, aspect of it. We weren't in, yeah we weren't interested in making an album that was uh, super polished, and no. um, you know that's that's not how um, string band music typically well actually you could argue that sometimes it is i'm a huge fan of glossy good clean like multi-track stuff too but then there's like something to be said for the live stuff too so i guess we're lucky that it was easier but it also kind of plays off as being more traditional sounding too (laughs) we have uh we have plans too to um to release another album in this year so wow that uh that's something that uh i'm kind of excited to don't don't say a date no, that was our. No, yeah, no, no that's what we did last time. I will not say a date. You no. don't want to get locked in. No, yeah. <laughs> it'll be uh, released in two weeks. Now, just on. <laughs> no, 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 that's a lie. Just joking. No, a lot of people in Fredericton would hear Montgomery Street and immediately gravitate towards campus life. Uh, and a tenant of the show is to not ask overdone questions like, "Oh, why did you choose that band name?" But uh, I want to ask you what Montgomery Street means to all of you or each of you. We we lived in a big house on Montgomery Street together. I guess not. Callum didn't live there, but he was there quite a lot, too. And all the good times. <laughs> it's where I started playing the banjo and kind of where bluegrass kind of started taking over our life yeah, a little bit more. Definitely. So. Mm-hmm. It was further up the hill, and I needed that uh, to listen to a lot of bluegrass to help me walk up the hill because I find the backbeat, the chop, and, and the music helps me keep my steps. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is good walking music. Yeah. All in all, this is like a, definitely a less popular uh, Montgomery Street story, but definitely a, a much nicer uh, than the usual. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, sometimes band names, uh, they lack like some profound meaning behind them, and I think that's kind of the case with us. It's, it's a bit arbitrary, but sure. but it marks the, the genesis of the band. And so, in that sense, it's I don't a good think people name. are confused about what band, t- what type of band we might be too, just by the way, because a lot of string bands have the such and such band, and I don't know, maybe that's what we were going for when when we first made it. But it it was like I think, you know, we had, we needed a name for like a show, and it was in the early years before we considered this group to be the band it is today. It was a it was a different time, but then, like I say, it still sounds like a string band name. It still does fine for us. I I like it. I like the band name. There too. was one time that. Uh, there was a bit of confusion with the band name. Oh, yeah, I forgot we, about that. We played at a retirement home, <laughs> and we were walking in, and obviously we were the band. We had our instruments, and as we're walking down the hall, some of the seniors are saying, oh, you boys aren't from the Montgomery Street School, which is <laughs> an elementary school. They thought that we were going to be an elementary school band. That's awesome. Playing, like, trumpets and flutes out of tune and stuff. Yeah. Montgomery Street Elementary School Band. I actually went to that school and was in band. You coincidentally, would have been the Montgomery Street Band. Then, am I correct? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's kind of funny. So basically, we stole our band name from a bunch of kids, <laughs> like taking candy. <laughs> awesome. Well, Scott, Patrick, Callum, Liam, thank you guys so much for joining us this week. No problem. Thanks for having thank, us. Thank you very, very much for having us. Desperate little man 
two guns every day Shot a man on the King's County line I'd have seen John Hardy getting away I'd have seen John Hardy getting away Street Band. That's a wrap on this week's episode of Sessions. Thanks to the Montgomery Street Band, and thanks as always to our producer engineer, Dylan Ward. I'm Brendan McGee, and you can catch us online on the podcast app at the iTunes Store or wherever you consume your podcasts. Podcasts.